What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. All right, y'all. It is Wednesday night. There has been a lot of transfer news this week. We're going to dive into all of it. My apologies on the delay here, but I did want to reach out and verify some information before I recorded just to make sure that we were accurate on everything that took a little bit longer than anticipated, but obviously we're ready to roll now. On this episode, we're going to talk about John Tanjay landing with Missouri. We're going to talk about the other transfers and just kind of give some perspective on the situation as a whole and try and give some context for uh, each of the guys and just kind of maybe what went into their their thought process based on what I've been able to gather. I'll throw out a couple of guys at the end for you guys to keep your eyes on. But I did just want to lead here with a couple of general thoughts on NIL and the transfer portal process as a whole because just based on some of the reactions I've seen this week, I don't think that people understand a lot of the time when guys transfer, it's a collaborative process. It's a lot closer to a mutual breakup than a player completely catching the staff off guard. That's not to say that that doesn't happen. There are certainly instances where it does. And on the flip side, there are situations where coaches probably catch players off guard by telling them to get out. But a lot of the time, what happens during these end-of-season exit interviews is the coaches basically lay out their assessment of the player's season, and they talk about what they expect the player's role to be moving forward. And on the other side, the players kind of talk about what they think their role should be, what their expectations are, and just basically what they're trying to get out of the season. And if you're a player that's coming off of a season in which you contributed, if you played a lot, maybe were a starter, and you get told that your role is likely going to get decreased moving forward and that you're and that the coaches are, are recruiting over you essentially, it just ends up being a situation where the players are more times than not gonna want to see what else is out there. And from the staff's perspective, while you may really like those guys as as dudes, while you may even want to have them as a role piece, you're probably going to understand that they're not going to be stoked about that. And a lot of the times, it just ends up being a situation where both sides are best suited to move on for the general state of the locker room. Again, that's not to say that there aren't examples of players catching coaches off guard or or vice versa. But I've seen lots of comments specifically on Twitter, and you know we all know the the pros and cons of Twitter, but I've seen lots of comments like, why can't Medved keep his roster intact? Or why is this player abandoning the program? Why are they not showing loyalty? When really it was a situation where both sides talked it out, went through their respective expectations for what they're trying to get out of this, what they want that that season, that relationship to be like. And then they just assess the situation from there. It's not always a situation where a player is just like, peace, screw you guys, I'm out. A lot of time the coaches might have even, you know, told them it's probably what's best for them. So I just think that there are a lot of misconceptions about how this whole process works, I think there are a lot of overreactions. 
people are acting like it's a Wyoming scenario where CSU lost the entire roster, and that's just not the truth. But there's always going to be some roster turnover so long as the rules are the way that they currently are. Two, three, four, it's going to happen every single year. And we don't have to like it. We don't have to like what this modern system is. But we do need to understand at least how it works. And know that if a couple of guys leave, it's not an immediate cause for concern. We don't need to sound the alarms. It's not red flags. That's just modern college basketball. And frankly, I was a little surprised to see the upset reactions regarding some of these moves just because all season long in my mentions, I had folks complaining that the team was not good enough and that they needed more talent. Some scholarships open up, present the opportunity to bring some in, and people are then upset that those guys are leaving. It's just... It's very odd, but we just collectively have to get more used to this and be comfortable with the fact that this is how it works now. It's not 2010. You don't need to freak out if a couple of guys leave. And while I mean absolutely no disrespect to any of the guys that are leaving, I think they're all good dudes. They all played really hard. We're good teammates. have heard nothing but good things about these guys. I'm excited about the possibilities that CSU has right now. They are talking to some legitimate talent. We'll see if some of these guys actually end up signing with the lack of NIL CSU basketball has. It's it's tough. I mean, we're not we're not even in the same league as, as some of these other schools. And I, I hate to say it like that, but it's just the reality. I mean, if you are not even a superstar, I'm talking like not even an all-conference player, but just a competent D1 player, and you're transferring from one D1 school to like a high major, I mean, the asking price is six figures. New Mexico gave Udeze a hundred grand last year. I have heard that Jeremiah Odin, the Wyoming transfer, was promised a hundred K to go to DePaul. And frankly, I'm skeptical of a lot of these offers because I know there have been a lot of kids that have been promised these massive offers and end up getting absolutely none of it. But the state of recruiting has just completely changed in the last 18 months. And it it applies to basketball. It applies to football. I shared a clip from National Signing Day from Jay Norvell on YouTube today, actually, kind of talking about this exact trend and how it's changed. It has never been harder to land impactful Division I transfers. But the bright side is you have a really talented staff. You have good recruiters. Nico and Ali are very proven in that regard. And you've just kind of got to hope that you can get some guys that come in and, and see the value of playing in a good system, getting that opportunity. I mean, look at Roddy. Instead of being the 10th guy in the rotation at Minnesota, came to CSU, became the Mountain West Player of the Year, was first-round pick. A lot of guys end up in bad situations for them purely out of selfish desire and and chasing the bag. And I'm not even saying they're necessarily wrong. It's really not that different than any of us pursuing something in our field for more money. But it's a new world. It's a new world out there. There are a lot of promises. There's a lot of shady stuff happening, a lot of tampering. And if CSU had shadier coaches, they could pull some of the same shit that some of these other coaches are doing and offering cash that they know is never going to come but I know these coaches, and that's just not how they operate. And frankly, it's, it's why I have so much respect for them. Anyways, I just wanted to give a little perspective on this ever-changing world of college athletics we live in. 
I don't think a lot of this is very sustainable, particularly when it comes to this NIL stuff. I just think it needs to be more openly regulated. I think you might as well just put the players on salary at this point. At least then it would be less shady, less tampering, and it would be very easy to see if schools were not delivering on on what they were supposed to. But it's pretty much the wild, wild west right now. And, you know, again, just as far as transfers go, it's the name of the game. It is modern college basketball. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about these Rams specifically that are leaving. Real quick, though, want to shout out the homies. Over at DraftKings Sportsbook, our presenting sponsor, right now is the perfect time to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. They have an endless variety of things that you can bet on, and it's amazing. Obviously, baseball starts uh, tomorrow, I guess, the Rockies. Man, that's crazy. But now's a good time to get those futures in. You can still get some action on the NBA MVP race. It's a dead heat between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. I think that final straw poll comes out at some point this week. We'll see what happens there. But I did notice Jokic has uh, overtaken Embiid as the betting favorite. Barely. But it is interesting because Embiid got all the way up to minus 250, I think, at one point not that long ago. That's been Fun to watch, but also really just annoying because the discourse around the the MVP race has just gotten so gross. That said, Joel clearly ducked my guy Joker the other night. Hope he pulls through. I certainly have a couple of bets on him to do so. Whatever you're doing, make sure you're betting with our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download that app today. Sign up with the code DNVR. New customers bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with the code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also want to shout out our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breck has a beer for any occasion, and there's no better way to watch a game than having some ice-cold Breck brew on deck. They've been doing it for 32 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. It's made with 100% renewable energy. Gotta love that. And if you're missing a old beer that was very popular in Fort Collins and recently changed its recipe, I cannot recommend enough the Avalanche Amber Ale. It's still the classic. It hits so perfect every time. Funny enough, Avalanche Amber Ale, actually the first 12-pack I legally purchased back when I turned 21 all those years ago. Don't even want to think about that one. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. Finally, when you get hurt, Backus and Shanker is here to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. And no fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Backus and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call us at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. Cool, cool, cool. So I've already talked a decent amount about John Tanjay and just how it was a cool story seeing him go from a guy that only had two offers, Nebraska, Omaha, and CSU, to a crucial six-man on CSU's 
back-to-back postseason reaching teams to finally a starter this past season, played some of the best ball of his career. I mean, that's the stuff you love about college basketball. Ram Nation obviously hoped to get that fifth year with Tanjay. That would have been neat, but he is electing to kind of move on. And, you know, honestly, I get it. I've talked about this too, but he didn't get the same opportunities, obviously, that guys like Roddy and and Stevens did NIL-wise. And frankly, he may just figure, I played my four years at CSU. That's what I owed them as far as a commitment goes. I wouldn't have had this season under normal circumstances anyways. Maybe not try and take advantage of that by going out and, you know, going somewhere new. He ultimately ended up with Missouri. That's who he is committed to under Dennis Gates, coming off of a 25-10 and 10 campaign NCAA tournament win over Utah State. Feels like a good fit. You know, John, he can be a guy that comes in and helps them replace some of the three-point production they're losing from Demoy Hodge, who was awesome, and DeAndre Golston. It's an up-and-coming program that feels like it has some real momentum after these last couple of years. They just locked down Gates to a contract extension, so that's great to see. Ultimately, I'm excited to see what happens for John. I I hope it, it works out well for him. Being in the Midwest makes a lot of sense. I thought maybe Creighton could be a possibility or potentially even Nebraska. Missouri, much better situation than Nebraska. While it will be a little weird to see him in a different team's uniform next year, I will say the silver lining of the situation going to create more minutes for some of these other guys, you know, Davey Jackson, Kyan Evans. I expect Jalen Lake to play a a significantly larger role next season, Josiah Strong. But especially if Isaiah doesn't come back with Isaiah and John both moving on, I do think you need somebody that provides three-point shooting. Josiah Strong, career 40-plus percent. I think he's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about what he's going to bring to the table defensively and offensively in that St. Mary's game. Best win for the conference all year. He was hugely impactful defensively. We didn't really get to see that offensive side yet, but it's coming. Still think they could use a little bit more three-point shooting, but based on some of the guys that they're talking to, you know, that could very well happen. Um, I guess let's just start with Isaiah Rivera because he was a highly anticipated recruit coming out of Chicago. A top 10 signing of all time, I think, for CSU, according to 247 Sports. And unfortunately, probably had too lofty of expectations from the start for him, especially after what we had just seen with some of the the young breakout guys and Isaiah and David at the time. I think many just assumed that Riv would be the next guy in that process. And to his credit, Riv has always been a tremendous teammate. He has worked really, really hard. He was an impactful rotational player on that team that earned the six seed in the NCAA tournament, had some really big moments. This year as a starter, I mean, hit the game winner against Gardner-Webb, had the perfect pass to Isaiah to hit the game winner out in Vegas. And then in the heartbreaking loss to San Diego State, he actually had a pair of really big blocks late in that second half as well. But offensively, for a guy that was playing close to 30 minutes a night, he just was not producing at the rate that CSU needed. And after kind of starting the year on a hot streak offensively, really looking good over those final, I don't know, 18 games or so, it just seemed like his confidence was shook. And 51 minutes on the floor in the Mountain West tournament, 
He only had six field goal attempts, was one of six. And to me, it just feels like a situation where he's going to be better off with a fresh start. I'm not saying I'm excited to see him go or anything like that. I would have loved to have him, you know, be a rotational guy, essentially go back to what he was doing, you know, last season or two seasons ago. But from his perspective, I understand why that's not what he would want. He has been a great teammate. He has, you know, been that guy in the past, worked his way into the starting lineup. I think it would be hard to then have your role decreased as a senior. I really do. And that's what was going to happen, guys. Riv's role was going to go down because he just, he was not producing enough offensively to be playing that much with Josiah Strong, hopefully, you know, healthy next year. That was going to eat into his minutes. They're recruiting some guys that would probably play over him. And going back to the intro and my mutual breakup comparison, it just feels like one of those situations where both sides assess the situation and and ask themselves, am I going to be happy with this? And for Riv, the answer is probably not. And the coaches know that. And so they don't want a situation where it, it becomes toxic in the locker room or it ruins their relationship or something like that. It kind of feels somewhat similar to the Adam Thistlewood situation where he had been a great guy in this program for multiple years, worked really hard, but was going to see his role drastically decrease if he stuck around. Instead, obviously went to Colorado School of Mines, had a phenomenal year for them. I hope that happens for Riv, maybe not necessarily dropping down, but just I hope he lands somewhere and kind of gets that fresh start and gets to end on a high note. Moving on to Baylor Hebb, who unsurprisingly is going to leave. Again, another guy who I've heard a lot of positive things about, very widely revered as a tremendous teammate, a gym rat, a guy who gives his all in practice. And, you know, he got thrown into into the fire this year. If, If CSU was healthy, Baylor wouldn't have played. He wouldn't have played at all, let alone played 33 games made starts for this team. I'm not trying to trash him on the way out or anything like that because I most certainly recognize the position that he got put in was not his fault. He he was having to play in a role that is above his abilities. But moving forward, that was just not going to be a recipe for success. And if you're CSU, while you really like the guy and you appreciate what he's done for your program, you you just can't afford it. You can't afford to have him on scholarship. And for Baylor, you don't want to sit on the bench all next year after getting to play these last couple of seasons. Drop down and, and get an opportunity where you're, you know, more at your level and have some fun with it. You know, I I really am not trying to be disrespectful here or anything like that. I'm just trying to be honest. And, you know, with where CSU is at and the expectations we have as a program, it's just not a situation where you can have charity scholarships, frankly. And if Baylor would have stuck around, that's essentially what it would have been because he just would not have been playing. He wouldn't have been in the picture moving forward. Finally, we get to Jacob Jennison, the seven-footer out of Minnesota with a ton of potential, just has not been able to stay healthy. Missed his entire freshman year, basically rehabbing a torn ACL Finally got back, was making great strides in progress. Everything we heard from Roddy, from the coaches, was that last year he was the most improved player, was projected to be the starter at the five this year. 
and tragically tore his ACL again, missed this whole season. I have no clue where he's at in terms of the health status and and rehab process right now, but it's really tough coming back from that second knee at his size. He is the only transfer that did catch me off guard. I did not anticipate that one. Everybody else that left, that's kind of who I expected to leave. Um, I just thought, you know, at this point, you've invested this much in him, maybe just see if it it pans out. But I also understand, especially if he's not going to be able to go, the the viewpoint of maybe it's just best for both sides to get a new start. With Jenison moving on, um, obviously a, a big need for CSU at the big. There's a couple of guys that I'll be kind of curious to follow. But, you know, as as of right now with Memba coming in, who is six foot seven forward, kind of a Roddy type, I don't really love u- using that comparison because of the just the assumptions it puts around. There's not going to be another David Roddy, but that type of bruising for a strong guy. I mean, he's playing against grown men right now, so I think he's going to translate really well. If he and Jack Payne can kind of be effective at the four, you know, you've got a shot, especially if you add at least one more guy in that front court. I really would like to see Cartier slide to the four if possible, but might have to play the five depending on what happens. I said earlier that I'd like to add some more shooting. I would. Maybe another ball handler. I do think Kyan Evans is going to be that guy that can come in right away and be trusted to create something, maybe not necessarily for himself, but as a facilitator at the very least. But, I mean, if he can create his own shot and knock him down from day one, look out, because that that dude's ceiling is absurdly high. All right, just a couple of targets to keep your eyes on. We've already talked about him once, but Dominique Clifford, CU transfer. I really think he is in play, particularly if they can get Javante Johnson, who he's tight with and they want to play together, the New Mexico transfer. If you can get both of those, I think that would be awesome. I'm not 100% sure if that's a possibility even. The other guy that I will throw out is Cam Martin, six foot nine forward, Kansas transfer former three-time D2 All-American, was interested in CSU before he signed with KU a couple of years ago, so could be in the mix. I know CSU has reached out, as well as a couple of other Mountain West programs, Boise State, UNLV. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens at Utah State now that Odom is moving on. If I were them, I would have Tim Miles on the line ASAP. But yeah, it's going to be a really important offseason. It's going to be really interesting to see how all of this shakes out. I think that The possibilities are exciting. I think that the change can be overwhelming at times, but I just think we all have to have as best of an understanding of how this system works as possible because it it just gives you some peace of mind when you don't have to freak out over every little thing because you understand that this is the game in 2023. It's, It's not necessarily better. I don't think I like it better, but if I if I know what it is, I'm not gonna flip out. So, yeah, that's all I have for this one. If you have questions, send them my way. We're going to start doing some mailbag stuff on here. Also, comment them if you comment on DNVR or Apple or something like that. I will get to it. If you wouldn't mind throwing a five-star review, it would be much appreciated. certainly helps me out. I love all of you guys. Hope you're enjoying your week. A little bit of sunshine. Sunshine, sunshine. It's fine. Have a good one, y'all. Peace.
Mexican kid with the cuff khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like Nam.